The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. There was a question in the um, submitted questions this week. Actually, it was left last week, but um, I thought I would speak to that question. And it's a question about refuge. So before I read the question, I want to um, speak a little bit about refuge, what it is and what it, what it, how it's considered in our, in our practice as well. Um, because the question kind of is assuming a particular understanding or a particular sense of refuge. So refuge, the word itself, uh, in English at least, it means, um, you know, a place of safety, a place where we can go, where we feel some sense of security or um, of safety. And the... Um, I think we all have that sense in our lives of wanting to have some kind of safety and we look for it somewhere. We, in our usual way of going about our lives, we are looking for refuge in something, even if we're not really conscious of it. And so just a a little bit of a reflection, you know, where is it that you might think of as your sense of safety what what might that be for you where do you uh, often find your sense of safety before i met the practice i certainly had uh, a sense of safety in um the material things in the world you know it's it's like I, i that's where i put my my sense of of safety if i have these things around me i'll be safe or I put it in relationships. These people will be with me and they help keep me safe. Or I put it in my capacity to control things. The ability, my ability to kind of take care of myself and um, uh, get, get done what I want to get done. And so all of those things are kind of normal ways that we might in our ordinary lives, perhaps before we kind of come up against this deep truth of unreliability that is the nature of, of experiences, the nature of life. We may think that we do have some security or some safety in those things. But at some point, at some point, in our lives, we will find out, we will recognize. And for some of us, this is how we actually end up in practice. We, we find out that where we have been putting our sense of safety is not a reliable place. We may feel like in that discovery, I mean, it's like the, the discovery of I'm not safe in the way I thought I was, or I didn't have control over being safe in the way I thought I did. You know, we, we don't generally meet that moment with some sense of, oh, wow, that's the way it is. We usually resist it. We fight it. We um, 
There's fear, often confusion. We may blame ourselves, feel like we've failed. Like I, I messed up because I couldn't keep things safe. Or we may blame somebody else. Somebody else messed up. They blew it. Rather than actually taking that moment for what it is, which is a demonstration of the nature of life, impermanent, unreliable, and uncontrollable. Now, it's not to say that it is always that way. It always, it is, it, it's not to say that it always feels that way. It actually always is that way, but it doesn't always feel that way. We, for times, you know, kind of uh, fool ourselves into thinking we have control and that, that, you know, things are permanent. But in that moment when we kind of discover, you know, in those moments when we kind of discover that unreliability, the vulnerability that we have as human beings, we're also vulnerable. It's very tender, actually. It's quite a tender. When we're, when we're not fighting it, it can just feel so tender, so poignant, so soft, that truth. And we, we begin to see in that moment that our usual sense of security is based in a misunderstanding. It's based in a misperception that there is something out there in the material world, in the realm of um, relationship or in the realm of my capacity to choose and to do. That, that we, we have the sense that there's some kind of stability that's possible in that world. And when we find out that it's not, that essentially what we're, we're seeing is that truth, that truth of that unreliability. And in acknowledging that truth and seeing how we had been relying on something, looking for safety and security in something that is not very reliable, we might ask ourselves, what might be more reliable? We might, we might think there's nothing reliable. There's, you know, it's, it's impossible. We might go into an, a spin of existential anxiety there. And it might also lead us on a search to look for something perhaps more reliable. The, the story of the Buddha's own journey begins with this kind of question, actually. He is said to have deeply realized at some point that everything that he wanted, that everything he was counting on, everything that he thought would bring happiness in his life, it was all impermanent. It was all going to go away. And the reflection he, he gave is like, why am I looking for a reliable happiness on the things that are unreliable? And his question to himself was, is there some more reliable kind of happiness out there? Is there something else out there? And so his journey began with that question, to search for something that might be more reliable. He didn't have an example. He didn't have somebody to, to point out. It's, 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 it's such an interesting um, you know, thing that this 
the way our journey unfolds with this practice is that we begin to understand, we see that when we let go of wanting things to be reliable, when we let go of trying to control, there's an ease and a peace that's possible. It's so counterintuitive. It's so counterintuitive that letting go of wanting things to be a way I want them to, that that brings a deeper kind of ease and peace. The Buddha didn't have anybody to tell him this. So he was kind of launching out into his journey with, well, maybe there's, maybe it's possible. I don't know. We have the benefit of the Buddha having found a freedom and having taught about it for 40 some years and the, the legacy of the lineage of people who practiced and found also this kind of ease and peace, not from trying to find safety in holding on to things, but in the letting go. And I would say kind of aligning ourselves with this truth of impermanent, unreliable, not resisting that truth. Living in uh, alignment with that truth rather than fighting it, rather than trying to uh, live our lives with the, um, it's almost like we're trying to build sandcastles while the water is continually washing them away. It's that kind of flavor. And we just like, well, I've got to build this castle, so I got to keep building. And then the water washes it away. But we just keep trying to do what is not really possible to do. So this is, um, the, the Buddha having found a completely different way, a completely different way to have a sense of safety. And it's a different kind of safety, too, that I think that we think, right? Uh, you know, we think of safety as being able to shore things up and keep things the way we want them to. And the safety in this case is kind of a safety of, it's really a protection of our minds, that our minds are not um, becoming full of fear and confusion and hatred and um, all of those states of mind that actually those states of mind create so much suffering. So the ease and the peace that comes is in, in aligning ourselves with that truth is not an ease and a peace in landing on something and saying this is this is what's solid and stable but it's really the ease and peace that comes with a letting go of needing to find something solid and stable it's so counterintuitive and this is why i think you know I don't think I ever would have figured this out by myself. You know, I, I'm really glad the Buddha, the Buddha figured this out. And so we have this teaching, you know, we have this, this, um, this, this example, essentially, the example of the Buddha who, who found for himself a different kind of ease and peace. And, and actually, when he first discovered it, when he first touched into that ease and peace of non-clinging, of 
letting go of greed, aversion, and delusion? His first thought was, wow. I mean, I think the first thought was probably ease and peace, but the, the, the next thought was something like, wow, this is really subtle. People are not going to get this. People are not going to understand this. And yet some other part, um, it said that a deva came to him and, and said, no, no, teach, teach this. <laughs> but some other part of him thought, maybe somebody will understand. Maybe somebody will understand. So um, we are fortunate to have the example and the Buddha's actually saying, you know, yeah, it's subtle. It's hard to see. It's profound. It's deep. And it's deeply restful, deeply peaceful, deeply easeful to find this refuge, essentially. And here, in a way, we can think of this refuge not as a something, but as a, it's the absence of holding on. It's, like, it's, such a, it's such a different way to think about refuge rather than going and finding someplace where we can hide out. It's completely open to the world as it is. Our minds don't uh, kind of grok in their usual way of meeting the world, that being completely open to the, to, to the world as it is, to things as they are, would have a sense of safety and, and have a sense of ease and peace. But the experience, and this is maybe partly why the Buddha said it's so, it's it's so subtle. It's like that. It's so counterintuitive until you touch it or you taste it, until it's it, until you have that sense of oh, that when I stop fighting, it's not there's not that struggle that happens anymore, and so. The, the refuge that the Buddha found is really a refuge of letting go, we can say. It's not the refuge of having anything. And yet there are traditional refuges in the practice of, in our practice, that kind of point to how we can um, kind of find our way to that place of of. The, the, the true refuge, which is that freedom from greed, aversion, and delusion. You say that's the true refuge. That when the when there is that that uh, that happening in our experience, that is felt as safety, is felt as refuge. But there are uh, kind of the traditional classic refuges in the Buddha's in the teachings that speak about the refuge in the Buddha, the refuge in the Dharma, the refuge in the Sangha. And these three, we can think of them as kind of three aspects of refuge, three aspects of how we find our way. To me, it's it, the, the, these refuges are really pointers to how we find our way to that refuge, to that place of non-defendedness to that place of freedom from greed, aversion, and delusion. And so the, the refuge in the Buddha, the refuge in the Dharma, the refuge in the Sangha. 
and how they function. So this is a piece I wanted to, to talk about, how they serve as or function as refuge while we are on the path, before we've found that place for ourselves, before we've touched into that true refuge that the Buddha said is possible. So the, the, the Buddha, the, the Buddha does refer to the, the one who found the awakening, the one who kind of pointed out the path. But also the, I think of it as the capacity, the possibility of awakening. He represents that possibility as the person who, who first discovered it. And then the, um, the refuge in the Dharma is, um, different ways to think about this also. The, the refuge in the Dharma is the refuge in, in some ways, just the truth of the impermanent, unreliable, uncontrollable nature of experience. But there's also a way that we can kind of take refuge in the teachings that the Buddha taught, which, which is, you know, kind of his laying out, you know, here's the, here's the set of things that I, that, that, that are helpful. Here's how I found this. If you do these same things, you will also find this release, this ease, this peace. So the teachings, the Dharma, the teachings, the path of practice, the engagement that we engage in, all of these are, are aspects of the refuge in Dharma. And then Sangha, the refuge in Sangha, the, the, the community of practitioners, the lineage of people who have passed the Buddhist teaching down for 2,600 years. The, 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 essentially, I think of a simple way I think of it is the support that's offered by our fellow travelers on the path. So what is it that we're actually taking refuge in with these, with these three, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha? In my, in my reflecting on this, it feels to me like what we're taking refuge in is essentially, it's kind of, um, we are, we are using faith when we take refuge because we don't have the taste necessary. We don't, we don't initially don't have any sense, at least for myself. I had no sense of the possibility for, letting go of greed, aversion, and delusion, that, 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 that was, that was a possibility for a path of practice. And yet there was some trust. There was a friend of mine had said, yeah, I found this really useful. You know, so there was, there was some trust in the friend and there was some suggestions about things I could do. And there was the, the kind of the idea potentially, just maybe even the, the, the smallest grain of a possibility of maybe this can help lead to less suffering in my life. So the possibility of less suffering was, was kind of an inspiration. And the, uh, the, the instructions or the, the, encouragement to do certain things like, you know, just the simple instruction of pay attention to your difficult states of mind when they come up, like be, be aware of them. Just, just that simple instruction. That was a 
most I got out of, you know, at, at the first book that I read, that was really what I got out of it. Just pay attention to the, to what's happening. And, and so there was, there was some kind of sense of, okay, well, I can try to do that. So there was, there was a kind of a sense of, um, initially taking, taking a kind of a refuge in the possibility for, um, some kind of reduction of suffering. There was a kind of taking refuge in the capacity that I might have to engage with these simple practices. And there was a confidence or a trust in the people that said this was useful and said it was possible, said that they had had some experience for themselves. That had really helped them. And so in thinking about this, as I thought about what I took refuge in initially, it was in a belief. It was in an idea. The idea of maybe there's a possibility of freedom. The idea that these practices might help. The idea that I trusted my friends, trusted the people who were saying these things. And so initially when we take refuge, we are, it is a leap of faith. It is a kind of a taking refuge in the possibility of something and not in our direct experience. We're not taking refuge in something that's here, which actually, you know, it's, it's already, it's already, um, a shift from how we may have taken refuge in the past, you know, taking refuge in something that's right here in front of us, you know, like I can land on this thing and keep this thing and that will keep me safe. So instead we're taking refuge in a possibility that others have expressed as possible. And then over time we do um, begin to taste just through doing it. Through engaging with the, the, the practice, we begin to taste some of the, even just little bits of freedom, you know, even just a few moments of finding the mind able to let go of a habit or pattern. For me, that was so huge. It was hugely impactful and, and added a lot more confidence, a lot more faith to the willingness to engage in the practice. Even when I wasn't feeling that, that freedom. So the question that was asked was, it was connected to the retreat that I taught recently. During your daily life retreat, something you said really struck me that it's not possible to take refuge in awareness because it's something that's coming and going. Mindfulness is something that's coming and going. During another retreat earlier this year, you also said that awareness together with right view is trustable. I'm confused about the distinction and want want to wonder if you'd clarify. So as I was pointing to a few minutes ago, you know, when we try to take refuge in something that's unreliable we will experience suffering you know it's like because it's unreliable 
And so if what we're trying to do, if what we think of is, I'm going to take refuge in awareness, when we don't have the capacity to be aware, or when we're not, when we're not able to really bring that sense of awareness, and it is awareness with wisdom, I, I, I think that's mostly pointed to here. So taking refuge in awareness is, is the idea of, can I take refuge in awareness with wisdom? that kind of awareness that can see, even for a few moments, the impermanent, unreliable nature of experience, or is able to hold a challenging state of mind. So awareness and wisdom, that capacity grows over time as we step into the path of practice, as we, as we practice with these teachings. That capacity to meet experience without holding on does grow. It it gains some momentum. And yet what a refuge is, one of the ways I think of a refuge is a refuge is what we kind of, what we kind of want or need when we don't have an experience of safety. And when we have that place of awareness and wisdom, when awareness and wisdom is operating, yes, it's trustable in that there's a sense, and we learn this feeling, actually. There's a feeling of the mind that can meet whatever is arising. There's a sense of the, um, the capacity. There's, 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 it's like there's not fear about what's here. So, you know, if anger's arising and we're meeting it with awareness and wisdom, there's a trust that, yeah, I don't need to try to get rid of this anger. The awareness and wisdom is meeting it and learning with it. So there's a kind of a, a, a way that that awareness and wisdom together is trustable in the moments where it's happening. And we, we gain a sense of that quality of awareness when the mind is able to just be with experience. We know that experience and that, that experience, we do have a sense of being able to trust that while it's there. But it's so fleeting. It comes and goes. And so we can't really use that as what we are, t- you know, taking refuge in when it's not present. And yet we can take refuge in, again, you know, so taking refuge in the idea, the possibility, the possibility for freedom, the capacity that we have to practice. We can know that even when it's not happening in the moment. And so that's how it functions as a refuge. When we're struggling, when we're confused, we can remember Yes, there's struggling and there's confusion and there's this capacity that I have to practice. There's a capacity. Maybe I'm not able to do it right now, but it is a possibility. And so that that's something we can kind of uh, connect with as instead of just kind of going under, like being swept under and swept away by the those difficult states, we might be able to keep our head just above water because we know it's possible. And, and as the practice goes on, it, it moves, it shifts from being simply possible in, in an idea, the, the hope of the possibility to the actual 
taste of those possibilities. And just even for fleeting moments, those tastes of possibilities. And that becomes a strengthening for our understanding of the value of practice, of our capacity to move in the direction where we maybe can taste that experience of refuge, taste that experience even fleetingly, even for a few moments. But what I would say kind of like in those moments, when we have that kind of mindfulness, that awareness and wisdom together, awareness with right view, an awareness that is able to just know and meet things as they are. In that moment, we are not looking for refuge. We have refuge. And so we're not taking refuge in that moment. It's like the refuge is there. But it's not that 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 experience is something that we can't take refuge in when it's not there. We can because it's not there, but we can take refuge in the understanding that it's possible, that there is a capacity for that. So it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a, maybe a funny thing to reflect on that what we're taking refuge in is a possibility. And yet that very taking refuge in that possibility is kind of what inspires us to practice. It is what inspires us to practice. 